Hi, this is Dominic Capalu. I am the CEO and founder of EduPay Group, a startup that's ensuring that every family, despite their socioeconomic status, has the ability to access education and ensure a secure future for their children by providing them with a convenient and easy-to-use digital platform to access microcredit for education-related expenses so that their learning experience is never disrupted. Listen to this episode on Let's Start Now podcast to learn more. Hi, I'm Locke and I'm Patience and welcome to Let's Start Now podcast where we intend to bring you entrepreneurs to inspire, inform and give you an insight into their businesses and how they started. Dominic, how is it in Zambia? Uh, it's going well. Uh, it's been raining the past uh, few months, uh, but I think the rains are going away. It's a very sunny day today. Lovely day. How's Rwanda, Kigali? <laughs> uh, Kigali is good. It's been sunny, I think, this whole week for us. But it was raining in the in the previous days. But um, yeah, Kigali is okay. We're on a lock, not lockdown. We have a curfew, but um, right. they're moving. Oh, is it due to COVID restrictions? Yeah, COVID restrictions. Yeah. How is it in Zambia? Are you guys under a curfew? Well, not really under curfew. I think um, we have more of learned how to coexist with the pandemic because there they haven't really been any strict measures to say um, you, you, you can't move or certain gatherings are actually closed off. I think um, other than that, they have just um, um, made it that people are, st- are strictly adhere to all the covid guidelines when in public but um i think it's sort of been the norm though that uh for larger gatherings uh they'd rather um make virtual meetings um yeah so yeah but uh schools are open um i noted some clubs are actually open last night as i was driving through uh the city so i was actually shocked (laughs) we haven't seen i think clubs have been closed here for a year i have people have even like forgotten yeah for a whole year Wow. <laughs> I, I was shocked, actually. I don't go out much at night. So yesterday, I just uh, out driving around, actually not at a few prominent clubs open. Like, wow, shocking. <laughs> Did you guys uh, have a lockdown ever, even in like the beginning of a pandemic? Yes, we did. We did. Um, up to some time in September from, um, I think, April. Yeah until September when uh, they sort of relaxed all the measures regards the lockdown. So it's sort of been like that now where um, it's not as strict, really. It's not as strict. And do people wear masks? Because here, I feel like I haven't seen someone without a mask. <laughs> um, yes, uh, people are adhering to wearing masks, sanitizing every time they're out. So. I think that's been impressive, though, but uh, it's just the phobia that I feel people don't have around here with uh, public gatherings and all. Oh, okay. All right. Um, So usually in the beginning of this interview, we are asking people to tell us things that 
they love about Zambia or things that most people don't know about Zambia? Right. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us like three things that you love about Zambia? Um, I think one of the most, one thing I love the most about Zambia is um, you will meet the most friendliest people here mm -hmm. compared to most places I have been to. I think Zambians generally love to people um, such a way that if it was your first time here and you were lost or you needed to access a service, um, I think generally you'd vibe with the Zambian people because they would make you feel like you belong among them as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. A second thing. Well, um, I, I don't know if this is true though, uh, <laughs> but I think I came across it on Twitter where yeah. they were saying um, Zambia was ranked the first um, among the best speaking, um, like the best speakers of English in Africa, uh, second from Zimbabwe. Uh, I'm yet to confirm that those <laughs> statistics, but uh, <laughs> yeah, the, uh, I came across that on Twitter. So I, I think that's something that would be nice to share. Um, <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that. I didn't. So yeah, I mean, we can debate <laughs> on this. So <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh huh. I think it would be nice to find if that data is true also. But um, I, to be honest, every we've only had two other Zambians on the podcast. And yeah, the English is pretty good. So I yeah. I, don't, I, I just don't want to base it on <laughs> you three. So I'm not going to. <laughs> well, anyway, yeah. as, as time goes by, we'll see. You yeah, we'll be see. The judge we'll of see. That. Awesome. Um, third thing. I think Zambia has one of the coolest tourist destinations. Mm -hmm. um, I think each and every province really has something that uh, should be able to attract tourists from uh, around the world. Um, also, it's home to the Big Falls, uh, shared with Zimbabwe, of course, but uh, yeah. Big Falls is, uh, I think, among, it was, it was ranked among one of the seven wonders of the world. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, the Vic Falls is just beautiful. Have you been though? No, we haven't. Actually, to be honest, a lot of uh, things that you like you would mention, you know, that so it's a good tourist destination. I don't know if it's me who's looking in the wrong places, but I didn't know that about Zambia. I think your really? government needs to do better marketing, or I don't know. I didn't know this about Zambia. I just knew that you had the waterfalls, but I didn't mm -hmm. know that. Safari is a big thing there, apparently. Yeah, it, it is actually. It is. Well, we we bought some pretty cool game packs as well. So yeah, yeah. Okay. So have you been to the waterfalls and? Yes, yes, yes. Almost every year. Like um, wow. I <laughs> I like to go there every year. Um, I'm a big fan of nature, a lover of nature rather. Mm -hmm. And um, I really, every time I'm there, it like puts me in tune with my spirituality, you know, just amazed at how, how vast the universe is or like the wonders of the universe are, you know, it just makes me feel like 
all of these things just come into being, you know. It, so it's, I saw a video it's an awesome and it place. Pretty scary. Yeah. I saw a video and it looked um, pretty scary, like the the way the the force of the water and like I don't know <laughs> how's the experience. It's big. It's thrilling. It's really thrilling. Um, it's it's quite a big piece of earth that's missing from the waterfalls you know i think you just been oh if you did take a trip down here and uh go there um it's it's amazing you know i i, I wouldn't even describe it in perspective to you it, it's something that you'd need to you have to it's one of those things you have own. to experience yourself uh -huh. yeah <laughs> okay and the game drives do you do them as well often um I the last time I did a game drive when I was there was some two years ago and um, that was my first time I actually saw a lion, you know, and um, I didn't even know those cats were that big, but um, <laughs> I also have an obsession with lions, you know, so it was just I, I've gone to like four game drives in my life and all the time I go uh -huh. I'm trying to look for a lion, but I've never been lucky. I've seen them in cages, but it's different when it's like yeah. in the wild, you know, in the game drive. So yeah, I've been so unlucky. I've never seen a lion in a game Amazing drive. animals. <laughs> I don't know why most people, when they're going to game drive, we're always looking for the lions. Like we're here for the king of the jungle. <laughs> <laughs> yes, in all his splendor, in his territory. It's just nice to watch them in their territory, you know? Yeah, I've seen giraffes yeah. though, and I didn't expect them to be as beautiful. Like You, as you find are. them beautiful? Yeah, well, like when you see them, they're so tall, so elegant. Like, I didn't expect one animal. I actually didn't expect to look that good. Like, you you see about it in like videos uh -huh. and stuff. But when you see, it, it's so tall. It's yeah. <laughs> they're peaceful animals. I think one of the hotels just near the Vic Falls in uh, Livingston, where the Victoria Falls is, uh, Avani Resort. You actually just find them moving around, like they're not really caged or anything. Yeah, so that's beautiful too. Yeah, okay. So yeah, that's, thank you. We didn't know some of these things about Zambia, but everyone has mentioned how Zambians are just very um, friendly people as well. So that's mm -hmm. a good thing. Awesome. Okay, so Dominic, let's move on to Edupe. Great. Yes. Um, so can you tell us just a bit about what Edupe is and what you guys do? Okay, so Edupe is... Um, a startup that um, I founded in 2018, April 2018. Um, I was still formally employed by one of the um, uh, renowned banks that we have in Zambia, United Bank for Africa. I think you have it in Kigali as well, do you? No, I don't think so. But maybe under another, I don't uh, think so. Oh yeah, maybe. Yeah, so founded Edupay in 2018. And um, really what we are trying to do is uh, lessen the financial burden of tuition fees uh, on parents. So we provide uh, payroll-based loans, which make paying school fees affordable, simple, and uh, convenient. So um, in a, to a large extent, the re reason why um, I founded EduPay was because of personal experiences, right, where um, 
you want to go to school and uh, there isn't just enough funds to make sure that uh, your school fees are conveniently paid without having to take a toll on other significant uh, expenses in a household such as uh, money for rent or food you know and yeah. uh, that was something I observed or noticed my mother go through at um, at a younger age but when I got to the corporate uh, world as well and um, I was uh, relating with peers that were married had uh, kids in school you know every time that it's um school period yeah. you would see stress on their faces some of them having to miss work because they'll have to go out there to source some extra funds to make sure that they took care of that significant priority yeah. you know so being able to relate from my personal story and seeing that it was a prominent problem with the people that I was relating with I thought well I think they could be a way this can be taken care of uh, to provide parents with convenience in the event that they are faced with uh, school fees stress. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, in a nutshell, that was the problem that I observed eventually. And um, I think towards end of 2017, that's when I sort of framed the whole idea in how it would work in the sense that, uh, well, what parents really need is just a breather, right? Sometimes yeah. most challenges are not all the time or like month on month sometimes it would just be for a month where the competing expenses are really really taking a toll on them mm -hmm. but if i could uh, come up with a solution that helps them pay the fees uh, to the school where their kids are enrolled in that way helping them uh, prioritize that particular problem right in the sense that if we give them the money, it's possible that they could divert it for other problems uh, yeah. they could want to sort out at a particular time. So one of the things I conceived in my mind was, okay, to make EduPay effective, we would have to pay the fees to the school where okay. they're- Instead of giving the parents yeah. money. Yeah, instead of giving the money to them. Yeah. And then besides that, so that it's convenient for them, let's stretch the repayment over a period of at least uh, three months or four mm -hmm. so that if um, the pressure for some is just four months they could pay back within a month but for some if it's over a space of time and maybe they just don't have one kid in school they could stretch it over three or four months so that while they take care of other expenses uh edupay is still able to help them take care of a significant uh expense such as uh education uh so that was sort of the that was sort of um edupay's goal on the parent side yeah there was also the student side which mm -hmm. um I, I had never experienced it really. Yeah. Uh, but um, I had experiences in secondary school where um, some students would be kicked out of class due to non payment fees. fees. That's very true. Yeah. You know, and uh, it was humiliating. I could see some friends drop performance from such experiences. And uh, my goal really was twofold help the parents and as well as enable that 
children in school don't face disrupted learning, you know, due to late or uh, non-paid fees. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so it's, it's sad because that's like an experience I think everyone in Africa has seen. Like when you don't pay fees, they kind of humiliate the child. And it's, it's not a good look. It's never, it's never even effective on the, on the kids as well. No, it's not. It's not. It, it, you know, um, so when I was doing a deep dive in uh, trying to just uh, formulate the solution um, from my research, I found how um, to a large extent it, it contributes to students uh, dropping out or just failing, failing to perform to their uh, best potential when in class, you know, because um, they, 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 they really just can't focus you know so because now they start also um, like the stress is on the child the child is thinking well, okay how do i i understand why they would drop out and maybe also try to help the parent they think they're helping the parents yes mm -hmm. yeah so basically that's uh edupay in a nutshell that's uh i, I realize when when you go through your website you have like edu loan which is what you mentioned right correct and then so what's the interest rate how much do you charge? Is it monthly? Is it? All right. So the interest rate is monthly, right? So over a space of three months, for a parent that takes out a loan for three months, for example, um, they'll pay 15% per month on mm -hmm. that loan. Uh, mm -hmm. If they take it out for a month, they'll, they'll just pay 15% uh, to that effect. So, um, um, Okay, fifteen percent. I monthly. will mention. Mm -hmm. Yeah, monthly fifteen percent um, compared to most of the players in the market. You will find that um, fifteen percent is almost altruistic. You know, from uh, people I have spoken to, and the goal for me was to at least give parents a rate that wouldn't still stress them, you know, like they're not taking out 30% or 40% or up to 50%, True. like is the trend in uh, Zambia for most people that lend money, you know. The shock so, loans, right? Yeah, yeah, it, it really gets bad for most of them. So 30% is standard or average for for most of them. Uh, some go as high as uh, 60 to 70%. And uh, just out of curiosity, don't banks also offer this? So, Zambia. Not this specific product. And uh, this was a gray area that I felt I could move in quickly because um, no one really offers. Well, finance for most of the financial institutions in Zambia is very general. Like a bank will offer you a loan uh, for what's a, a personal loan, rather. You either choose to take care of your school fees or other rent problems. or yeah, other problems. But um, EduPay is niche focused like yeah. we wouldn't service any person that came for a loan apart from education yeah. so um i think for me that's one of the um, one of the pointers to um growth in this space for this startup because we have selected a particular problem and specified in that niche so all the other financing institutions don't really 
um, offer a focused product on education like EduPay does. Okay, and um, what I was wondering is, so now you also have relationships with like schools, right? Because you're the ones paying school fees. That's correct. Do you also provide like some sort of discounts or, you know, for like parents who can't really afford? What okay. I, what I, okay, let me just give you a scenario. Like we've seen a lot of good schools that are like quite expensive, right? But they do offer these scholarships for, you know, kids who are doing well. So I was wondering if you also, you know, get to help out some parents with like very, very um, intelligent kids get into schools that are a bit above their price range. Okay. Um, that's been a goal that we haven't realized yet. It yeah. was aligned in our business plan as uh, the business unfolds. And um, the reason we haven't started on that yet was we wanted to um, at least um, uh, have liquidity that would permit us to sort of take some components of our profits and sponsor uh, okay, kids yeah, that are high performing and, and, and don't really have the fees to get to certain institutions. So that's definitely one of our strategies for um, um, reinforcing the importance of education in our community. Okay, but are there many schools in Zambia who are doing that? Because they're not also here, they're not that many who do uh, sponsor, like, you know, kids who take in, sorry, schools who take in intelligent kids and sponsor them. I don't think it's very common here in Africa. No, it's not. So for, uh, for in Zambia, for instance, um, that only happens uh, with government institutions. Okay, yeah. Uh, and, and, and we only have about five of them in Zambia at the moment. Mm -hmm. And um, it's, it's a scholarship that you will still need to pay back when you graduate and yeah. uh, find a job. So, um, but then besides these five institutions, there are a whole number of colleges and universities uh, where uh, students are performing really well, but are usually tied to make progress because uh, no one is able to sponsor them. And uh, with the public institutions, competition is very, very stiff. So you find that only a select few are able to access these scholarships. And uh, so um, um, also, one of the main goals for EduPay is to supplement government effort, you know, because uh, government can't do everything. So, um, yeah, like uh, the role for us in private sector would be to complement government efforts in order to provide quality education. Yeah. Another product I saw that you have that was interesting was like this EduKit, right? Yeah. So you, yeah. it's like, Tell us first about it, because from my understanding, it's like you help parents with um, school school equipment, you know. So um, the goal or the vision for us really is to be um, a one stop for all your school education related needs. Right. And so um, we have been building an ecosystem where when a parent comes to EduPay, 
anything they could think of related to their kids school needs they don't need to shop outside as for any of that like we would probably be that universe where they can access that so the educate is um complementary product to the edgy loans where if you have paid school fees as a parent but you're still short on books or um your kid's uniform is worn out or your kid is going into um like just entry level into uh, primary school or secondary school um, you are able to go to one of our collaborating partners and pick out whatever you require for your kids convenience at school and then uh, we still um, give you the option to pay back to edupay uh, through convenient installments uh, depending on the availability of your funds so that's the idea for the educate product as well that's a very good actually idea and the last one is i have seen is edu excuse edupay me go. Edupay go. yeah that one yeah yeah so uh, a bit about edupay go as well is um to help parents take care of um, transportation needs, right? Um, mm -hmm. So most parents are employed and very busy from time to time. So there are some that do manage to make these school errands. There yeah. are some that have their kids that go to schools where the schools have buses mm -hmm. uh, that drop them to and from home but also there are a lot more of schools in Lusaka or around Zambia that don't provide such services. But then parents are also very concerned about the safety of their children as they go home yeah. or as they leave school. So um, Educate Go then provides them um, a platform that uh, enables them to monitor movements of their children from home to school or from school to home using um, uh, Educate's transport services. Oh, wow, that's very interesting because also some parents, it, the problem isn't the money, sometimes it's like time. Yes, yes. Uh, most most importantly, time for, for, for most of them. It's, it, it, it may not be about the money, you know, yeah. time is such a scarce resource for most of them, especially those in the corporate world. Yeah, because it's a demand, you have a demanding job, but again, as a parent, there are duties that you need to fulfill and you might not even have a, a flexible boss or an understanding boss. Some bosses really don't understand or they just don't need, they don't, they don't really care. They want you to take care of that and you still even if you have children you still have to be awake and i like what you're doing because most of these responsibilities in our african settings they've been left to women which is true why some women in the corporate world find it even hard or like quit their jobs because they're like i need i can't do both it's so having something like edupego where you know your child is safe and you can still be awake and your child's needs are taken care of. So that's a very good idea. Thank you, thank you. I was wondering, so which of the three products is the most, you know, popular, I would say? Uh, so the Edulons are very popular. Um, so we actually started with the Edulons because um, um, a lot of parents, um, 
usually have these gaps in finance when it comes to school fees. So uh, they can almost brave the, 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 the transport issues or the books issues, you know, but usually uh, because schools would be giving deadlines to say, if you haven't paid by this period, uh, your kids will not be allowed in class, or this is the grace period that you have. So most of them would come to us uh, requesting for edgy loans on a frequent basis. So I would actually say that edgy loans are our flagship product. Yeah, I would expect it as well because school fees is a big issue. And do you also provide school fees at all level of education? Like Until this year, yes, we have been providing to all levels of, well, I, sh I should say rather, uh, our focus had been primary and secondary school, but yeah. uh, the beginning of this year saw parents that had uh, kids in universities and colleges reach out to us as well. And um, I think previously also it had been a liquidity issue because you find that primary and secondary school does not require as much cash as um, college as, and university. As, yeah. yeah. And also, I guess also for colleges, some people have jobs or like side jobs so they can pay it themselves. So it's not just yes. parents. Yes. Mm, yeah. Okay. That's very interesting. Another thing I wanted to ask is in Zambia, according to you, just out of curiosity, what's the biggest issue in the Zambian education system, according to what you noticed using EduPay and just your personal experiences as well? Um, one thing that's really caused me heartache is um, the teacher pew pew ratio and um, basically the development of infrastructure um, in the education sector. And the COVID period really exposed, um, exposed this gap. Um, so you will find that kids that go to private school, right? Yeah. They've been able to progress better than their colleagues in the government schools because with private schools, because of the user fees that are a bit higher than the government schools, they're able to buy and set up this infrastructure and facilitate for proper online lessons. But um, for government schools, especially those in the rural areas where they don't even have proper internet connectivity, you know, it's been such a challenge because while their friends are progressing, they are left behind uh, some of them uh, stay behind yeah you know and then at the end of the day it's defeating the purpose of us saying we're trying to push for uh, quality education or uh, SDG number four to ensure yeah. that there's inclusive and quality education so um, that's really been a, a sad issue um, yeah and uh, just the teacher pupil ratio as well you find that um, there are government schools where um, a teacher will have to take on 60, 70 pupils in a class, you know, and at the end of the day, some pupils just walk away without having really learned anything significant because some of them can't hear, they're not seated 
they're not seated comfortably in the yeah. classroom setup, you know, so it's just um, a really sad scenario as well. Yeah, and what I was wondering is, is education free, like in public schools in Zambia? Um, it's free up to seventh grade. Uh, it's only free up to grade. seventh grade. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, so at least for parents who, who are, you know, using these public schools, they're not paying school fees until seventh grade. That's correct. Yeah, I've seen like in some countries, even though like they say school, you know, school is free, but there are things like books that are not involved in the, you know, like books, lunch as well, because some of these like rural areas, kids are traveling miles to go to mm -hmm. that one free school. So you find that some of them drop out, not just because of the fees, but it doesn't make sense. You can't go hungry at school. And most parents in the rural areas don't really prioritize school. It's not something they they really see as a valuable thing. So I was just wondering in Zambia, do you guys have food programs in schools or? Um, yes, there are some community schools that offer food programs, but so usually these are sponsored by organizations like UNICEF. I, I think UNICEF is actually one big organization that I have seen sponsor uh, community or school feeding programs, but they're very popular with community schools in the rural areas. Okay, and another thing is besides just the number of people, I mean, teacher pupil ratio, is the actually like, is mm -hmm. the teaching, is it a good quality? Like the teaching that, that you see at the public school, or the, is it, is it, is it a good quality or is it, how would you define um, it? Is it something that you see as, okay, they are trying and... Well, speaking as someone that went to public school in my early years and managed to get myself a scholarship to the highest institution of learning in our country, uh, I would say that they try their level best, you know, to, to, to teach. Um, but also then um, it's up to the student to complement the teacher's effort. But uh, from my experiences and uh, seeing how um, results come out from uh, these public institutions, uh, I would say that uh, the quality of teaching is generally okay. That's a good thing then. Yeah. Because then it's, it just means that just because you went, you go to a, you know, a public school doesn't mean that that's it for you. You will get good knowledge if you're someone who really wants it. At the end of the day with education, if someone doesn't want to, you can be in a private school. You still won't get the education you need. That's correct. Yeah, and also just this is like maybe something that I want to know because we, I always feel like African education focuses so much on theory, theories and not enough practical. What do you think compared to the rest yeah. of the world? Um, I think for me, that's my biggest fault with uh, the African education system. Or maybe let me not speak broadly, but uh, be specific. <laughs> I think you can say, but I, I don't know. We're from uh, Rwanda, and I agree. <laughs> um, our education system is very, very theoretical, you know. Um, it's, it's very sad and um, it really does inhibit 
industrialization for Africa going forward, I think, because there's too much theory, you know. Um, I, I, I'm a keen follower of uh, development around Africa, and um, I had an opportunity to visit Rwanda in 2018, actually. Yeah. Um, and um, I, I learned of a, a coding program that was introduced for kids in a primary school, I think, if my yeah. mind serves me right. Yeah, and uh, I, I advocate for such things. And um, I think I was just trying to get my facts right. But one thing that I want to start doing uh, is advocate for perhaps a shift in the education curriculum where we focus more on mathematics, uh, entrepreneurship, technology, and science, you know, so that we're delivering practical solutions to our communities going forward because the theory doesn't save us a lot, to be honest. And um, this is something that we are currently experiencing as a problem across Africa. Too much theory that doesn't really solve the critical problems that we are facing as a continent. Yeah, and also as well as we are being left behind because if you look at other schools around the world, you see, especially in Asia, you see kids are coding at a young age. They're left to, to be creative. You know, they're taught creativity is very much in, encouraged in the schools, while in Africa, it's not. Some kids, yes. mostly it's theory. They, they want you to memorize something and go and do an exam and pass. So it's, we are definitely being left behind. Yes, we are. Yes. Yes, so... Um... We, I, I think we really need to have um, a, a shift in this mindset and um, it really has to call for greater advocacy for people that are working in the education sector because um, um, I, I read policies that talk about um, maybe uh, Vision 2030, uh, especially for my country, where we're talking about industrializing certain sectors and whatnot, you know. Um, but I think all of these dreams are very far-fetched if uh, we are still very theoretical in how uh, we approach education, you know. So... You were right by citing that example of uh, China, how um, early graders are taught uh, how to code and whatnot. Uh, my friend was telling me a joke one day where there was, um, while the kids in uh, in China go to school to to like first grade or second grade, they they they're making calculators that they export to Africa. Our kids at that age are playing or playing with grasshoppers wow. when time to play. That's you know? very depressing, actually. So it, it is. It is. But, <laughs> but uh, making calculators. Uh huh. We're so far. But, we, we, we're definitely so far behind. And um, this has to be deliberate policy that needs to be put in place for us to even compete uh, at a global level, you know. Um, I've been impressed with Uganda. I have, I, I think there's some time I watched uh, an item on CNN or BBC where a university actually made um, a, a prototype of a vehicle and uh, they were starting to mass produce um, uh, not so long uh, from the period that it was 
um, manufactured, you know, and I think that's a step in the right direction. But for most African countries, our industries are very, very uh, far behind and um, we risk still being underdeveloped many years to come because of um, not putting deliberate policies that will make Africa an industrial giant. I mean, the thing is that like also annoys me a bit is we do have very creative, Af Africans in general are very creative because I'm sure you guys have seen those posts on Facebook or social media where you see kids in rural areas like building cars or like tractors yes. or, mm -hmm. you know, creating solutions for problems based, some, some of them even like build houses and stuff like that using their own little resources. So if those kids are pushed and, you know, are given you know, in a, in, a, in a place where their creativity is actually acknowledged and encouraged. I think we're mm -hmm. not so far behind. I, I don't, I'm sure there are kids out there who can make calculators in second grade in Africa, but the school system shuts that down and like wants you to focus on learning how to, you know, memorize and all the things <laughs> that are very theoretical and doesn't help actually. Very true, very true. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a sad case. And until, unfortunately, we learn how to make deliberate efforts to uh, realize this potential, we will still stay um, far behind, you know. Another thing, um, sorry, sorry, have you finished? Yeah, yeah, sure. Now, I was saying one thing that I always used to think is affecting us in Africa is majority of our leaders are in their 70s, right? These are people who don't even know how to use computers very well. So being led <laughs> for policies that have been made for such a young, young nation by someone in their 70s, I don't think, I think unless we find leaders who are a bit younger, you know, who understand where the world is heading, it's going to be very hard. What very do you true. Think our leaders, I don't know, it's a 70 year old man cannot, for him in that era where he, he grew up this education system was it was right for that era mm -hmm. now it isn't <laughs> so just to give my quick thoughts about that again uh citing my experience in kigali um from the, the from the um, meeting i attended there um i think one of the people that were present there was um i think the minister of information and technology um, I'm not sure if it's still the same guy holding the portfolio, but to me, he looks quite young, you know, and um, I, I think I was able to attribute uh, some of the strides Rwanda is making uh, to having young people that understand the, um, the, the, the young people that they govern in a country, you know. Um, it's such a sad case for most African leaders because um, the people that are holding government posts, like you've said, yes, their education was probably relevant at that particular time. Um, for instance, in my country right now, when you talk about cryptocurrencies and how they are the future, you know, um, they have been shunned by even the central bank in a way that they're taking a very, very slow approach to adopt, adopting uh, uh, such payment uh, systems, you know, but it's because the people that are in such positions, they are old and cannot really see 
how the world trends are moving and how um, the world is uh, becoming very digital, you know. So it's, it's, it's a sad case that um, we are not as African countries realizing that it's time that young leaders stepped in and took course of uh, shaping the, 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 the destiny of uh, African nations. Yeah, for for Rwanda, I think the minister of ICT is actually a woman now, and she's also very young. Yeah. Okay. Well, in terms of that. Yeah. So, uh, Dominic, I'm really curious to know um, what you think about the whole. Um, okay, there there's this debate that has been going on for quite some time about how education, maybe at the at university level, is not as imp maybe important or it's not as yeah as important as um, gaining um, work experience or becoming an entrepreneur. What do you think about that? Uh, that's an interesting question. Um, and I've been the, the last two, three years, I have been an entrepreneur. I have been sort of having a mental debate, but I think I have arrived at my personal conclusion. Um, I pursued a degree in development economics at university. Um, I will mention that naturally I am a curious person, so I love to read, but um, my whole university experience, I didn't enjoy it because um, I didn't enjoy my university experience because I felt I wanted to do things that were striking my curiosity, you know? So um, to be honest, once someone just has the basic ability to read and grasp concepts, really, um, they can venture into entrepreneurship or other issues that strike their curiosity in such a way that they can bring their best and develop their potential in whatever field or um, expertise they choose, right? But um, a university education, really, um, you want to walk down that route, I wouldn't discourage anyone. But up to this point, knowing what I know now, I don't think it was very necessary for me to stay in university. Not that I discredit the part and yeah. Okay, I have a different approach. <laughs> for me, <laughs> I'm, I'm more like, there's never enough learning actually. Whatever opportunity you get to learn, even better. Because what I've noticed is people who haven't gone to university, doesn't mean that they can't be great. They can actually, mm. like you said, mm. you have the basics of you know, writing and reading and you have a curious mind, yeah. nothing that can stop you. You can actually, the thing with, now we live in a world where everything is online. I might be attending university, but you can get everything that I'm learning for free online. If you just know where to look and you have a curious mind. But I like the structure that university gives you. And I like, for me, it's not just about le the learning you get there, but the connections, the, the lessons you get just also from being in that institution not really about school mm. but how to maneuver you know how to talk networking there's a lot that goes into for me that i think is still important but I, again 
these days, if you know how to read and access to internet, there's really YouTube. <laughs> YouTube. Yeah. First of all, YouTube. Thank you. <laughs> YouTube. Oh God, you can actually learn to code and do a whole four-year course by yourself. Yeah, YouTube sure. is the best thing that ever happened. I have learned accounting. I have learned basics about coding. You know, like anything that sparks my curiosity, like I have just learned from that platform, you know. So if you use it for the right things, you are right that um, you can gain so much expertise, really. Especially with like yeah. when COVID came, right? All of us were stuck at home. But you, you did realize now how everyone, even people who had like, who done, like who had degrees, everyone was trying to do a course, a short course somewhere because there was like a lot of offers on that. So you kind of saw that really, except for the physical part, you can do everything now online, especially school. Like people were, people were teaching themselves how to do things online. I don't know. The, the pandemic really striked uh, or showed us things that we really were taking for granted, like the internet definitely yeah i think um okay well for me um i think well i agree with both of you um school gives us a uh, what lord said uh, school gives us a direction uh, more of like they give us the focus in in terms of um, what we're studying or say for example if it's physics you um they're able to tell you okay this is what you can learn about physics right so um, yeah, uh, school gives us direction, and but I also think um, I agree with uh, Dominic. Uh, if you're curious, you're definitely going to find your own information, and information is out there as well. Uh, um, maybe for me, I I really think uh, school could be important to some people, and not important to others. Uh, and I feel like um, sometimes school can get you into places where uh, your network can't or money cannot uh, get you or your experience cannot get you. Sometimes uh, one last thing that's needed is usually maybe a certification that you've gotten, that you've gotten, uh, that you've achieved something or uh, something that shows that you have, um, you, you seem educated about certain things. So um, I agree with both of you. <laughs> Interesting. Like so maybe just my, my, my last contribution on that, right? Um, like, I, I, I could never discredit the importance of school, right? And that's why for me, my passion with EduPay is if you could get an individual basic access to education in such a way that at least they could learn to read and write and gain literacy to a level where they can interpret, digest complex concepts and, you know, um, um, explain them or just comprehend them at a, at a basic level. I think from there, really, you're able to pick yourself up in whatever direction you'd prefer uh, to go. Um, but like you have said, um, like, I'm currently try, try, trying to pursue um, a, a master's in finance and investments because um, I would like to get into venture capital, right? So there are things that you just can't learn completely out of curiosity or even the fact that you would be at a certain place and you are 
asked to speak as an authority on that particular subject. And um, it's in places like that, that I feel like you, when you're backed up by credentials, you would be accorded the right respect or even just the trust by the audience, right? To say this person knows what they are talking about because they have actually been certified to speak on such issues. So, yeah, so it's a bit of both, you know, a bit of both, but uh, you can never underestimate the, 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 the power of your curious mind just to get ahead. Yeah, yeah. And um, maybe, uh, apologies for taking you back. Um, I, I wanted to know much more about um, now the technical component of the platform in terms of uh, how do people access these products um, that you offer at Edupay? Um, like on the platform, how do people access the, the products and how are they, is it best on a, an application or it's just a platform you put in your details and uh, there are no accounts involved? What, what exactly is involved in the technical component of your business? Okay, um, so I'll be quick to mention that um, our platform is still under development. Um, there are some components that we haven't pushed out yet, but uh, I think uh, end of Q1, which will be end of March, uh, the platform will be live. Uh, so mostly what's been happening is for anyone that shows interest in our product, let's say through our social media uh, platforms, uh, we send them a link to which they're able to submit um, their the, 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 the documents and find an application and uh, fill it out and as well as uh, access a loan calculator that's able to um, show them the installment amounts as per loan uh, request. So it's currently a link that we're sharing with them. Uh, but the goal as at end of the quarter would be to have a customer portal on our website where they're able to do all of these uh, things. So we have currently um, finalized with the customer portal. We have finalized with the admin portal in such a way that even the loan application process, the loan credit process is done automatic based on the information that we'll be able to fish out from the customer details. Um, not sure if that elaborately um, answers your question. Um, it does, uh, yeah, um, yeah, it does. And um, how many uh, clients would you, I know you touched on this about how uh, edu, EduPay gets more uh, clients uh, than the mm. other products. I'd love to know how many, maybe in figures or uh, just an estimation, how many clients do you get in each of the products that you provide, that you guys provide? Okay. Um, so for every, let's say for every five applications that would come through, uh, three would be towards the Edulon and two would be split among the school run service and uh, the Educate product as well. Um, yeah, I, I, I would say so. And in total, how many customers do you have, uh, do you guys have so far? Or have you guys had so far? So far, 
total of 70 from the time we've been in operation. Um, so because last year we had the lockdown, you know, uh, when schools closed in April and only opened in um, September, um, we had to start the onboarding process again because as a business, we didn't have any activity. So that was sort of a drawback on the business, but uh, we hope that um, as we progress within the year, uh, our target is just to see if we can get to 200 users for 2021. Oh, wow. Okay, um, so Dominic, uh, how much did you start with? Um, so I started with um, $1,000. Uh, it was through a grant that I won at a pitching contest uh, that was sponsored by Bongo Hive, uh, one of the uh, accelerator hubs we have in Zambia, and the US Embassy. So um, um, I think I reserved about $600 of that, which I used to start, um, like just to validate the concept with uh, three customers. And have you been able to, okay, well, you, you've had 70 customers, uh, well, so far, have you been able to um, break even or uh, <laughs> get your returns on the amount that you had invested in? Um, Yes, we have broken even. Um, so, as at twenty end of twenty nineteen, as at end of twenty nineteen, with um, six hundred dollars that I had uh, initially put in, um, and at that time I was sort of the only one that was on the that was running the startup until mid twenty nineteen when I put together a, a team. Um, so end of 2019, uh, we had um, about 60,000 60, and 60,000 USD terms would be about uh, uh, $5,500 about there. So that's how much we had at the, towards the end of 2019. And uh, that's uh, 2020, we could almost delete it because of COVID. But um, that's sort of the amount that we reinvested as we were starting the year in 2021, uh, plus uh, just some grant money that um, the business had secured as well. Do you intend to, uh, I was going to raise any more funding or any go, go for uh, more grants or, um, yeah, do you intend to raise any funding or go for more grants? Um, if we could find grants, that would be amazing. I think grant money is free money. It, does, it means that you don't have to give out any equity on the business part, right? So I love grants. But um, we are definitely looking to raise, actually, we're looking to raise uh, end of quarter three this year because uh, with the goal of the 200 customers that we are looking to target, we will need at least uh, 25,000 US to be able to satisfy that demand. So um, we are in the market looking for, or trying to talk to investors rather uh, on our database 
but uh, what we wanted to focus on for now was uh, finish building our platform and uh, make any iterations if there'll be need uh, through a consultative process with our customers. But once that's done and everything is stabilized, uh, we have targeted end of quarter three just to uh, see if we can uh, re-engage with uh, some investors that we've spoken to in the past. Okay. Patience, are you done with the financials? I wanted to take him back. He mentioned something about Bongo Hive. Okay. So I guess I can just go on. So um, a lot of people have mentioned, actually two people that we've talked to on this podcast mentioned Bongo Hive. It's, it's right. an incubation program, right? Yeah, it's an incubation. Um, yeah, it's an, well, an accelerator incubator, yeah. uh, I, I, I could say, yeah. And I want to know, like, from your experience, I guess you were also part of it. Mm-hmm. What did you learn or how did that help your business? Um, I think uh, many years down the line, the success of Edupay will be highly accredited to Bongo Hive as well. I think wow. they've been very instrumental in just helping the business, first of all, and me as an individual, as an entrepreneur uh, in my, my growth journey. Um, some things, some concepts were almost rocket science, you know, yeah. but um, through the many programs that they conduct there, you know, that you begin to just dissect rather what a business is, uh, what you require at each and every stage of a business, you know, uh, the do's and don't, the do's and don'ts of fundraising, um, you know, learning concepts such as um, for you to build a product that customers appreciate, you need to continuously be in a process of uh, getting customer feedback. All of these concepts have been very helpful, and uh, I have largely learned a lot of them from. Um, the programs that Bongo Hive offers. Very interesting. I think, yeah, Bongo Hive is doing very well. I mean, everyone, I've heard only good things about the program, so. Yeah, they're, they're, they're really doing well. Um, it was great that they came up with such an initiative to help uh, young entrepreneurs just navigate some of these um, waters that uh, were foreign before, you know? Yeah. I'd love to know what challenges you faced since uh, you started ed- Edupay or any challenges that, um, that have been, I mean, that have been there uh, while you were running Edupay. Um, I, I, I'm going to cite two challenges that I have experienced as um, a young business owner. Um, number one, I think it's a broad challenge for um, most entrepreneurs where you have this brilliant idea and um, the finances are not just available to help you kickstart it, right? So if you're not going to use initiative, it's hard to get an idea off the ground. So uh, financing in that sense has been one of the challenges, right? And um, the second one uh, has been... Um, attracting like-minded young people to work with um and again do not misunderstand me i think employment is very important right myself i have banking experience of four years and it's through that experience that 
I was able to um, build a, a finance startup like Educate. But um, a lot of young people do not see the opportunities that lie in venturing into your own stuff. So even when you are trying to put together a team, not a lot of people like to take risks and not a lot of young people could really sit and listen to a fellow young person tell them, guys, this is the venture I foresee, and oh, this is a venture I have started, and this is the vision I foresee, and um, it's going to be big, and let's get on this marriage of convenience together for the next few years. Um, it's hard. It's really hard, and um, I'm really thankful that I was able to just put a team together of dedicated young individuals, but um, it took me at least one year, eight months to two years just to put together a, a, a team that could help me execute this vision. So those are the two significant challenges um, I have experienced, team building, access to financing. Dominic, um, what are some of the things that you, you learned in the banking sector that you were able to apply to EduPay? You spoke about working in the banking sector for about four years. So what are some of the things that you have been able to, maybe part of your experience in the banking sector yes. that you've used in EduPay? Okay. Um, so... I work under the risk management department and um, um, my skill. So I think this educate because I understand risk management very well to an extent where um, even things like defaulting on payments um, will be mitigated or have been mitigated rather because of my good understanding of how to do debt recovery, right? Or how to structure risk uh, for the business. So um, those were very important lessons for me. Um, another thing is just coming from an, a corporate environment where you see how systems and operations work, right? Um, I don't think if I hadn't had, I hadn't had work experience from a financial institution like that, I think uh, going to run a startup like EduPay would have been rocket science for me, but um, I learned the process of uh, operations. I learned the process of how certain policies work out in order for um, the business to just run um, and be compliant with uh, certain regulations. So all of these things uh, came in handy for me. And um, I think I went to work to learn and that's why I've been able to run Educate because I was curious while an employee of a bank. I think that's, um, I think that's something that most people should uh, like should, um, okay, I, I, I'm not a fan of, I'm not a huge fan of giving advice uh, given that <laughs> it's usually, uh, <laughs> it might not apply to everybody, but what mm -hmm. you just said at the end is actually very good advice. Um, it, it could be a very good advice. Um, it, uh, the fact that you went to, to the banking sector or where you are working at in order to learn, that is something that most people should do. 
or um, at least should uh, think about when they're uh, when they're looking to apply for a job or when they're looking to actually work uh, with the with the, in, in the corporate sector or even in startups or wherever they're planning to work. Um, I think that was very good advice. And, um, um, and you also spoke about um, uh, human capital in the second point mm -hmm. uh, in the challenges. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious to know what do you, uh, what do you think is the main problem with um, uh, maybe main reason or maybe problem to why um, most most young people don't um, are not open to maybe working with others in terms of working with others and maybe getting an uh, maybe getting equity um, to certain uh, companies or certain uh, starting companies. What what do you think could be the problem there? And even Laura, you can pitch in as well. Um, so from my experience, the problem is a lot of us young people are looking for instant gratification, right? So if I tell you, um, I have this venture and mm -hmm. the yeah. only time you may only see real returns in such a way that you can take care of the rent or buy a car and everything, maybe that period will come in the next two to three years and someone looks and says, wow, so putting in my labor and like, don't know what the outcome of this will be for the next two to three years. Like, no, I'd rather have my cake now. So um, I don't think I'm joining on this dom. So maybe find someone else that's more interested. So the, the problem of instant gratification with most young people is the reason that uh, a lot of us pass on opportunities. We don't have the ability to have um, uh, foresight for the future, right? Like, okay, let, let me try this. And um, if it does work out and gets big in the future, I, 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 I win whichever way, you know. Yeah. But then even just the ability to, to, to foresee that future for most young people does not exist. So that's a challenge I have found um, with uh, human capital when it comes to startups. But in that, don't you think it's uh, more of a, maybe a, a pressure kind of issue? Because when maybe when we're growing up, we kind of see these things and we're like, we want to have that. Okay, yes, it's the instant grat gratification, but maybe don't you think there's also an aspect of uh, pressure into um, acquiring these things faster, maybe family pressure or societal pressure. Yes, that's that's very true. Um, pressure mounts in everyone. Um, personally speaking, I have had to forego a lot of things, a lot of responsibilities that I could well take care of. And um, when I was um, formerly employed with a bank, you know, but um, it all goes back to the same thing at the end of the day. It's really about the future you would like to define for yourself. So yeah. uh, granted, you currently have pressure uh, with the things that you're going through, but would you rather shield your future self and forego an opportunity right now? Most people would rather forego opportunity to sort out now, but um, the consequences are dire still, you know? Um, so 
well, at least though, though, those are my thoughts around it. Pressure is for everyone, but we need to be smart enough to set ourselves up handsome for the future. Yeah, for sure. One of the biggest issue is in Africa, especially where we grow up, there aren't that many business people who are, you know, glorified. Everyone wants you to graduate and get like a good job at a good firm, at a bank, you know, the traditional corporate jobs. So a lot of the youth actually don't even, that's what they look for because they think that's, you know, that's what we've been told is the dream. But um, these uh, startups and small businesses, like you're saying, or like your friends' businesses, I don't think they are talked about that much. But also, like, I think Dominic mentioned something here. It's instant, like, we're not patient enough. In a corporate job, you're not required to be as creative. You just need to, you know, it's a routine and you get paid at the end of the, at the, at the, end of the month. And the salaries are pretty good, but there isn't anything creative or, you know, it's not very, it's not something that, there's not a lot of growth, I would say, in the corporate world. But again, yeah. strong, depends on the mm-hmm. position. Yeah. That's my take. And another thing is, I do think that the youth are changing though. I think for me, looking in Africa, a lot of people are studying their own businesses. A lot of, a lot of young people are, you know, taking these opportunities. It's just that I feel like also, they don't get a chance to be, they're not in the media. So you wouldn't see it, but a lot of young people are taking opportunities in Africa. I think so. I agree. That's true. Yeah. I just don't think they're talked yeah. about enough. There's not a lot of glorification for those who are actually, you know, making a difference, solving real problems. And mm-hmm. it's very easy to just right. to it's. I think it's also easier to just go for a corporate job because working in a startup, it's not for everybody. Or is that no? A- it's not. <laughs> it's not for the faint-hearted. It's not. Yeah. It so yeah, yeah, I think it's just easier to take a corporate job and like get a salary, get a loan, and you know get benefits. <laughs> so to each their own. But Basically. another thing, sorry, but maybe you guys can also tell me. Don't you think there there's this trend that's happening now? Like people take corporate jobs and then in their like late forties or fifties, they now actually want to do what they're passionate about instead of. I think once they get that uh, money, you know, uh, when you're comfortable financially, a lot of people then now start thinking, yeah. okay, let me actually take a risk and do what I love, which is sad because if you took the risk earlier on, you might you might even be richer or financially later on. That's true. Uh, I, I, I agree with that. And um, I, I've had people that um, in sort of well, some mentors, some people that just don't see the value you're trying to create and sort of water you down. Uh, So saying, no, maybe you should have worked for 10 years and then acquire experience and you'd be better at it as you go, as you go along. But I have always argued with that perspective, you know, Um, I feel I'm glad that I started young because um, there's been a lot of lessons learned, right? Like mm-hmm. I failed, I made mistakes, and some days I cried about it, you know. But like looking back now, um, I'm almost a master at those things that I failed at because I, I, I know not to repeat or actually know a route that would take me to such failures, you know. And um, while young, I have learned how to fail and progress. Unlike 
when you fail at an age like 40, right? I think you would be depressed and get high blood pressure and all of That's these true. things that could come with that. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> you know, so I think fail young, fail fast. Yeah. Very good advice. Something that um, Dominic just said that I also, you know how they say, okay, you should have a quiet experience. I don't think there's enough. You can have as much experience as you want in entrepreneurship. There are still going to be things that's going to, you know, it's, it's going to be your first time dealing with. And each company is different. Mm-hmm. Working in a yeah. sector for 10 years and then come and educate. Even if you started it when you were 40, there are still mistakes that you were meant to to take at that at that uh, stage. Because, And for, for me, how I see it is everyone running to the corporate world. That's why some we still have issues in Africa of things that something like what Dominic is doing, it's creating impact, right? You are impacting a lot of kids and helping make sure that they, they stay in school and they get a good education. The more that takes, the bigger right. the problem becomes. And then we it becomes something that we can't even control anymore. So for me, I just say, if you know you're solving a real problem, why not start now? Because at the end of the day, it is a problem. And the, the more we wait, the bigger the issues become. And yeah. Very true. Uh, I completely agree with you. Yeah. Dominic. Dominic, you as a person, maybe you, we didn't talk much about that. You mentioned that you want to, you know, you're interested in finance, you worked in a bank, but you as a person, how would you describe yourself? I know it's a very hard question to ask someone, but. <laughs> um, but I think I have established this about myself. Um, I am a very curious individual and um, it's my curiosity that has even led me to be on this path, you know. Uh, So I I like to describe myself as curious, driven and unconventional in that um, a lot of people like to follow the norm, but I prefer to tread my own path, you know, because um, the more I have read, the more I have kept myself informed, I find that um, success lies in you pioneering your own path, doing the uncomfortable things that people would rather not do, you know. So in that sense, I I, I find myself unconventional and, driven in the sense that I find what separates me from a lot of my peers is because I love to execute as well. Um, Many times in the past, we would say, guys, let's start this venture together. Okay, Uh, so we're going to give it three months. Let's save. Okay, cool, guys, we'll do it. Three months comes. No one brings to the table what we agreed to save. And I would have brought my part, right? And even if it was hard to save or anything. So um, um, I find that I'm I'm driven. I love to execute. And that sets me uh, apart. So... Um, yeah, I, I really love to describe myself as driven, unconventional, and uh, curious. I like how you started and you said, I, I've established this about myself. That's a very good thing. Not a, not a lot of people establish who they are. I mean, someone else can tell you who you are, but it's very hard for you to describe in very short words who you are. So 
I like that. Thanks. Yeah, that's true. It's not as easy, but also I think as we grow as humans, right? Um, yeah. um, my, my personal development journey, it's been a lot about learning yourself as you progress. Um, I, I, I don't think you can fully learn yourself, but like um, as you develop yourself as a human being, know the things that ground you, the things that identify who you in, in so doing it's easier to establish character you know uh so that if someone asks you about dominic um they could describe him with one word or a few because that's the character that he is known for you know yeah and also i think sorry in business you knowing you, yourself or personal, like you knowing what you're good at personally and mm -hmm. what you're not will help you or avoid a lot of mistakes. Because when you're an entrepreneur, you want to do everything, but sometimes someone else can do it better. And you knowing who you are, that can help you save a lot of time and mistakes. That's true. That's true. Especially for, sorry, just to add on this. Um, one of the things that I have found challenging as a young person or young leader i should say because of managing a team you know yeah. is how people from different backgrounds all come together and um to achieve a common goal right yeah. but it's in trying to manage all of these people from these different backgrounds and um learning their strengths and their weaknesses um at one point i thought i could do everything you know <laughs> yeah. i thought i could do everything but um i learned well not the hard way but i learned uh that when your team um some people are generally better than you at doing certain things and that's how you progress as a team when you know how to leverage each other's strengths and uh, yeah. weaknesses <laughs> that's very true yeah so uh, dominic um you spoke about how you enjoy reading and i'd love to know what uh, kind of information do you like reading like uh, is it um maybe say uh, articles or books what kind of information do you like reading um artic so I'll, I'll say significantly books I love to read books on um, personal development and leadership, um, mm -hmm. but also articles. I love to read um, things around technology, education, and um, venture capital. Uh, so I, I sort of like to curate the things I read, right? So that my mind isn't always everywhere. Uh, but yeah. I, 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 I read books a lot. And what's your current read? What are you reading right now? Like, what book are you reading right now? My current read is Mastery by Robert Greene. Not sure you guys have heard about it. Read it? <laughs> no. No, but, but we, I, I know. Okay. Probably heard of Robert Greene, yeah? Robert Greene, yeah. Hey, guys, yeah. Robert Greene is, his insights, um, I, he's my favorite author, right? I have wow. found that his okay. books are very practical because 
most books you would read, it's like someone telling you how to do something, but like they really don't get to the intricacies of how you can digest what they're trying to put across. But for Robert Greene, his perspective is so vivid in that he could describe a concept, elaborate with an example, and by the time he's done, you definitely know how to take steps towards um, what you'd like to do. So for instance, mastery, right? Mm -hmm. um, just to give a quick overview. He's talking about how anything that was ever achieved by great people, it involved a process and the process was they committed time to perfecting that craft. And so you don't always start out as the best at anything that you do, but if you dedicate ample time towards growing that craft, um, eventually it, you become perfect at it, you know, um, but it should result from a certain place of curiosity for you wanting to be better at it, you know. So he cites a lot of uh, old or ancient great people like um, Leonardo da Vinci gives a story of how he became the famous painter or scientist that we know about, right? Someone would just land on Leonardo da Vinci and say, oh, okay, he was a great artist, he was a great painter, but it yeah. goes back from his early days where his curiosity would drive him to dissecting birds. Um, his curiosity would drive him to the forests and he would be painting mountain landscapes and all of that. And repetitively doing that, he became the master that we know now. So I love mastery. I could read it over and over again. It's a great book. You just talked about something and there's also this book called Outliers. I don't know if you've read it. It talks about the no. 10,000 hour rule. Yes, yes. How you, if you put in 10,000 hours into something, you, you will be a master at it. The more time yeah. you put into something, the better it is. Yeah, he, he actually makes reference to that as well. Say 10,000 hours is the amount of time anyone should dedicate in order to be a master at anything. Yeah. I haven't read awesome. Master but maybe we'll think of it in my next read. Yeah. So I don't know why, but uh, um, well, the I tried reading this is leadership book by Robert Greene. Is it? I don't remember the title, but it's kind of like. Um, is it Forty Eight Laws of Power? No. Yeah, Forty Eight Laws of Power. Yeah. So I tried reading it, and the first things I saw was this. Uh, I I can't really read this because it seems like um, um, what like manipulating people. <laughs> it just it just seemed like <laughs> you'd be manipulating people. <laughs> So, um, yeah. Laws <laughs> of Power is something that a lot of people love. That's, I think, one of his most popular books. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, Dominic, um, uh, who are some of the people that you look up to or uh, that inspire you? Okay. Um, I think some of my biggest inspirations in life would have to be, one of them is uh, Barack Obama. I have uh, read a lot of his books and, um, well, two of his books actually, and just his story coming from humble beginnings and uh, his love for learning and constantly challenging himself up to rising to um, one of the biggest officers in the world. 
um, that I find that very, very inspiring, you know. Uh, so Obama would have to be one of those. Uh, bringing it back home, um, Vusi Tembekwayo, not sure you've heard of uh, him, uh, South African entrepreneur. Yeah, we have. <laughs> we have yeah. heard of him. Man, Vusi is just goals. Like, I look at him Nature and like, I want to be like that guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, he's, he's, he's mastered his craft. And I, I call that mastery. He's, he's good at what he does. He puts in the work. And um, for me, he's a major uh, inspiration, you know. Um, and um, back home here, um, I have a mentor, uh, Chinadu Kogu. He runs, um, or he's co-owner of a big fintech company, you know. Um, he's one of the people that believed in me just the first time I ever talk, talked about EduPay in public. And um, like just the first day we met and he talked to me about how big it could be if I was dedicated to see it grow. You know, um, I think he planted a seed in me that um, grew enormous roots up to this point, you know. So yeah, he's definitely one of the men rational in my life yeah so i think i'll cite those three for now i like how you've mentioned a lot of african african uh, you know mentors or people you look up to because every time we ask this question we usually get the one answer elon musk and i'm like i know <laughs> yes he's inspiring but we should have you know people we look up to that are closer to home truth truth I mean, I follow Elon Musk. I think he's a brilliant guy. I have, uh, there's a lot of things that I have copied from him. For instance, there's one concept he calls first principles thinking that's made him the inventor that he is right now. Um, he's a great guy, but I think it's important that we find uh, real models or inspiration closer to home, you know, um, at least then we're able to solve the critical challenges that we can uh, identify in within our communities. Sure, because the conditions are different in Definitely. the world. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. It was a pleasure having you here. Um, yeah, I, I was happy I joined you guys. I, I had fun in this interview. <laughs> And these are the things that intrigue me. Um, these are the things that I talk about all day long with my friends, you know, things that just uplift my spirit, talking about entrepreneurship, talking about yeah. making the world a better place. So every time I talk about such with people, uh, it lifts my spirit, really. Oh, that's very nice. But yeah, and uh, for me, I would just like to also applaud you for, you know, finding a solution to a, prop, to a really, really big problem, not only in Zambia, but also in Africa. And hopefully you will expand mm -hmm. and provide- That's the goal. That's, yeah, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. And I can't wait to see that because usually, I don't know, a, a lot of these people are left out when it comes to financial services. So I'm glad that someone like you is out there too. Thinking of them and yeah. helping them. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, and, um, yeah. Sorry. So, Dom, uh, maybe maybe before you leave, um, I'd I'd actually like to refer you to maybe some someone you might um, find interesting. 
He's called mm-hmm. Naval or Nave. Naval, I think he's pronounced. His name is pronounced as Nave. Mm-hmm. Um, he's an investor, entrepreneur, and uh, kind of like a philosopher. So I, I, uh, I kind of had the, I got the vibe that you're into philosophy to some extent, or you listen to something in line with philosophy. Philosophy, sorry. A lot. <laughs> yeah. So you might find uh, that guy interesting. <laughs> Okay. He's called Naval. Yeah, Naval or... Yeah, Naval. Naval Ravikant. He's also... Okay. He's an investor and entrepreneur and he, his way of thinking is really different from what we see in the normal... Like, he, he does not... Like, he, he doesn't care about what everybody else is saying. He just takes his own path. So you might right. um, find him interesting. And he's I'll had... Um, sorry. He's had... Um, have you heard of uh, Joe Rogan? Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan podcast. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. So he has he, he has had an interview with Joe Rogan. You might find it interesting. Mm, awesome. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll look him up. All right. Um, otherwise, uh, thank you for joining us. Maybe you can uh, plug yourself with your socials or where people can find you if uh, they wanted to get uh, they wanted to reach you. Okay, so I, I'm currently only on Twitter and um, LinkedIn at the moment. So for Twitter, it's just at uh, Dominic Kapalu. Yeah, I uh, should be able to, to find me there. Uh, LinkedIn, it's just Dominic Kapalu as well. All right. Um, yeah, so thank you for joining us once again. Um, All right. Okay. Thank you. Have a good weekend. And it was a pleasure. Thanks, ladies. Enjoy your weekend, too. Okay. Bye. You too. Bye. If you've enjoyed this episode, subscribe, share, and follow us on our socials. For Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, our handle is Let's Learn Our Pod. Thank you, guys. Hope you enjoyed. Have a good day. Bye.